Amen. Well, it's been a great time of worship today, and I hope that God is has been speaking to you already as we've sung songs together, as we have talked about raising children in the way of the Lord, as we've observed communion together. I pray that it's already been a great day for you. It's going to continue now. If you have a copy of God's Word, we're going to worship in the Word now. Luke's Gospel, chapter 10, is where we'll make a home. Luke's Gospel, chapter 10. Uh, If I look a little tired today, it's because the Astros played until midnight last night, all right? Hashtag priorities, okay? Uh, And I'll just tell you it was a prayer meeting uh, because it got a little scary at the end. So I was calling out to the Lord until midnight. So I could have just told you that I was praying until midnight. It would have been accurate, but in the interest of full disclosure, that's what was going on, all right? Uh, Speaking of sports, some of you uh, know from stories that I was an athlete, all right? That's the only way to put it. Uh, When I was in high school, and you always laugh, and it always offends me, but that's fine. So some of you know, some of you don't know, I grew up in a little bitty town in Southeast Texas. I was one of about 20 graduates in my class. And uh, in the midst of that, if any of you have grown up at a small school, you know this to be true. You don't have to be good to play sports. In fact, the opposite is true. If you have a pulse and are willing, they kind of need you to play sports in order to be able to have a team, right? So I played everything you could possibly play. There were weeks of my life that would be like on a Monday going 0 for 4 at the plate, then on Tuesday taking 120 shots to finish 18 holes of golf, and on like a Thursday doing a, a tennis tournament, and then on Friday a, a track meet. Yes, it was that bad. They even needed your boy at track, okay? Just bad stuff, all right? It wasn't, it wasn't my favorite. All that to say, I played on a lot of really, really bad teams. A lot, a lot of really bad teams. And one thing that was always interesting to me was the dedication of our coaches. I never once had a coach just talk in real terms to me. They always would be like in the dugout or or there in the locker room like, all right, guys, listen. If we do everything we practiced, if we execute everything we've been working on, if we do all the things that I've been teaching to do, we can beat these guys. I kind of have a feeling that they knew that was never true. Can we, can I just, you know, and it just goes that they were good coaches. If I was the coach, that's why the Lord didn't call me to that. I was just a little bit too real. I think I would have been like, all right, guys, let's be honest. It ain't going to happen today. I was, did you see him warm up? Like I saw him warm up. It's not going to be good. Let's all try not to get hurt. Good news. The school gave us some money. We're stopping at McDonald's on the way home. It's going to be awesome. But the reason I share that with you today is because what we're going to read here in a moment from Luke's gospel, on the face of it, almost looks like the worst pep talk ever. Jesus is sending out his squad, sending out some disciples, a team to do ministry, and what he is going to say to them really doesn't sound like the best pep talk, but what we're going to find is that Jesus actually is giving us some wonderful insights to how we can actually fulfill the mission that God has called us to. So with that in mind, let's dive into this text, Luke's Gospel chapter 10, starting in verse 1, and let's see what the Lord has to say to us. After this, the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them on ahead of them two by two into every town and place where he himself was about to go. And Jesus said to them, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Let's stop there for just a second. Acknowledge what Jesus just did. He is sending them out. He is sending them out to go and do ministry. And Jesus literally stops before they go and says, hey, we really need some more people. We need some better people than this. 
Isn't that weird? Like, imagine that if I'm like, all right, crossroad, the Lord's called us to reach, teach, live, and love like Jesus. We really need some people who can help us do that, because have you seen yourselves? (laughs) That's almost what Jesus is doing here. Let's continue to read what he says. Go your way. Behold, I'm sending you out as lambs into the midst of wolves. Carry no money bag, no knapsack, no sandals, and greet no one on the road. Whatever house you enter, first say, peace be to this house. And if a son of peace is there, your peace will rest upon him. But if not, it will return to you. And remain in the same house, eating and drinking what they provide, for the laborer deserves his wages. Do not go from house to house. Whenever you enter a town and they receive you, eat what is set before you. Heal the sick in it and say to them, the kingdom of God has come near to you. But whenever you enter a town and they do not receive you, go into its streets and say, even the dust of your town that clings to our feet, we wipe off against you. Nevertheless, know this, that the kingdom of God has come near. I tell you, it will be more bearable on that day for Sodom than for that town. Will you pray with me? Lord Jesus, as we look at this text, we need your help. God, we we don't just want an inspirational message today. We don't need a pep talk. What we need is your truth to speak directly into our hearts in a way that challenges us and changes us and makes us more like you. So Jesus, help us become who you want us to become individually, as families, and as a church. Lord, I know that we come here today with a, a lot of baggage and a lot of different thoughts and feelings and things swirling around in our heads and our hearts. I pray, Lord, that you would give us a focus upon you today so that we could hear your message. We love you and we thank you for what you're going to do. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Well, again, like I said, this, this doesn't look like a very inspirational start and a very inspirational commissioning. Uh, about a year ago, in fact, a little over a year ago now, uh, the search committee, search team here at Crossroad was looking for a lead pastor and they interviewed me and they asked me the question in that gathering. They said, hey, what is your plan to reach this community? The 20,000 people that live within two miles of this facility. How are we going to reach this neighborhood? What are we going to do? And my answer was a very stunning, I'll get back to you. Because the reality is, I'm like, I don't have a plan yet. Like, I don't, I mean, I've driven around a little bit, but I don't really know what things look like. But here's the truth. We want a plan, don't we? And I'm a plan person. Like, I've got a planner. You come and ask me what I'm doing today. Sometimes those plans get blown up, but I've got a plan. I've got things that I'm ready to do. And and even as a church, I want to make a plan for our church to take the gospel to West Wichita and beyond. And we do have a plan, and we've seen God doing some things already, and that's really cool to watch. But ultimately, at the end of the day, what I want us to see out of this text is that Jesus himself gives us a plan. This is what's happening here. Jesus is sending out a team to do ministry. He's sending out a group of people to evangelize and reach out to the surrounding communities. And this is what he tells them to do. Let's just be real. This is the passage usually you skip in a series like this, right? Like, let's just get to the Good Samaritan. We're getting there, but but not today because Jesus is giving us some solid stuff right here in this text. What does it look like for us to reach out? And, And here's my question. Why have we missed this? Why haven't we seen this and thought about this a lot before? I think because what Jesus says here is very different, very countercultural to what the world says we ought to be doing to reach out to other people. You know, the world today values, the American church it seems values macho, awesome, good looking, celebrity type pastors. I know you've got one of those. Don't appreciate the laughter, but we'll move on. 
Instead, what does Jesus say? I use sheep, the timid animals that are helpless. Yeah, let's send those. The world says it's about having bigger buildings and better stuff. The, the bigger and better, the things we can accumulate to make happen for ministry, that's what we need to do. Jesus says, don't take any extra clothes. You don't need any of that stuff. Don't worry about it. Don't pack more than you need. Don't take extra clothes. Leave your purse. Leave your bags. Our world says, do as much as you can. The bigger, more epic programs you can have, that's what you need to do if you're going to have an effective ministry. Jesus says, have a singular focus. See, the reality is many churches today look more like a business plan rather than the kingdom of God. And that's a problem that I think we have here in the American church. And I'll be honest, I can find myself falling into that really quickly from time to time. But I'm thankful for passages like this that call us back to the simple truth of who we're supposed to be in Christ. And what we're supposed to do and how we're supposed to do it. So Jesus starts this section off by talking about the great need that we have. In verse 2 he said, the harvest is plentiful. There are people who need to know Jesus, but the laborers are few. There are people out there, and listen, I don't know if this stuns you or not, maybe not. Uh, I'm just a country boy from southeast Texas. 20,000 people within two miles of this building? That is insane to me, y'all. Here's the reality. I'm not trying to just grow this church. Can I just tell you there is no church competition. If every church in West Wichita doubled and built new buildings to accomplish that many people in their church, there would still be thousands and thousands and thousands of people who are lost. The harvest is plentiful. In Wichita and in Kansas in general, they say that today if you take your little quadrant of six homes, some of you may live in, that's my neighborhood, you know, we got homes on both sides of the street. If you take the two houses on either side of you and the three across the street, we know that today four of those homes are unchurched homes. Your house and one other of those in that quadrant may be church. Now, I'm not going to say if you don't go to church that you don't know Jesus. Perhaps they do, but we know that they are not walking with Jesus at the time if they're not a part of the body of Christ. The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. So this is the need. What are we to do? How are we to work and to try to fulfill the mission? What do we do about this need? Well, Jesus tells us a couple things. First, the call is to pray. To pray. When you look at the need that is in our world today, it should cause you to pray and call out to the Lord and ask him to send help so that we can reach these people. Do you have a heart for the people who don't know Jesus in your life? Do you have a heart for the people who don't know Jesus in your community that you may not even know? You know, here's the reality. I think we're really good at seeing the need, but I don't know that we often really take that need to the Lord. We're real good about talking about the need, you, you could probably tell me right now what's wrong with your neighborhood. We talk about it generationally, you know. Uh, some of you maybe noticed that when you were in a younger generation, the older generation talked bad about your generation, and you're like, man, they just don't get it. Now that you're the older generation, you're talking bad about the younger generation? Question, why don't we ask the Lord to give us a heart to reach the generations? Why don't we ask the Lord to give us a heart to reach our neighborhoods, to reach our cities, to reach those who are far from Christ? We need to pray and ask the Lord to help us. But not only do we pray, I love that what Jesus does here. Because some of you are like, yes and amen, I'm going to be praying about those needs. But notice what he says right after this call to pray. He says, go. 
Go. The call is to pray and then go. Have you ever thought that perhaps the Lord wants to use your hands and feet to answer the prayers of your heart? I'm going to say that again. Have you ever thought that maybe the Lord wants to use your hands and feet to answer the prayers of your heart? I believe that God wants to use this church to do incredible things for his glory, but we've got to be a church that prays and says, Lord, help us send more laborers into this so we can all work together for the harvest in our communities. We have a great need, but we have a great Savior, and we know that if we come together and go together in Christ, that we can have a significant impact. We've got to pray and we have to go. Not only should we pray for workers for the harvest, Jesus makes it abundantly clear, we should be workers for the harvest. We've got to pray and we've got to go. Those are two things we talk about a lot here at Crossroad, and we're going to continue to do that. In fact, we're going to start a series in a couple weeks on prayer. I'm really excited about being able to do that, but Jesus says we're to pray and then do something about it. Pray and go. We've been commissioned to reach, teach, live, and love like him, and he's called us to do it. It's important that we do that. But what's equally important, not only do we see how we're called to, or what we're called to do, to pray and to go, but Jesus also tells us how we need to do it. And I think this is really important. You hear this a lot today, that Jesus has given us a great mission, but he hasn't said anything about how we have to do it. You hear that today, and especially in the American church. So people are like, we're going to do whatever it takes to reach people. Y'all come to the big keg party we're having as an outreach. Some of you are laughing about that. That stuff's real. That happens, right? And you're like, yeah. Some of you are like, yeah, and we ought to do stuff like that. I don't think that's true. I don't think that's true. Jesus has given us a method. He hasn't just given us a mission. He has also given us a method. And it's important that we go to the Bible and make sure that we are reaching others for him in the way that he's called us to do it. Now, here's what we're going to do. We're going to walk through and talk about how he wants us to fulfill this mission. But I know you well enough because you're like me. We're all humans, I think. And some of you I'm still worried about, but I don't know. But here's the thing, we want a plan. So some of you are like, all right, good, he's getting to it. Now he's going to tell us how we fulfill this mission. But here's the reality, y'all. All of the things we're about to talk about are heart issues. We prefer, we're, we're goers, we are doers, we're ready to just do something. You're like, all right, preacher, tell me what to do. But it's hard to do the hard work of working on our own hearts, isn't it? That's why we tend to just try to distract ourselves and not worry about that. That's why you're on your phone. That's why you're binge watching everything. Like you're even out of shows and you're still watching dumb stuff, right? Some of you have been there, right? Like, I don't even know why I'm watching this. It's a terrible show. I'm in season eight. It's like, what are you doing? I'm the only one. All right. It's just, just turned into testimony time, apparently. You ever had that moment where you go to bed though, and it's quiet and it's still and you can't fall asleep and you're thinking about all those things that you don't want to be thinking about? Good thing we have phones now. You just roll over and grab your phone. No, that's, that's what we do, isn't it? We avoid these moments, but can I tell you what I want the Lord to do right now? I, I want him to do some heart surgery on us as we look at his word. This is hard to do. It's uncomfortable. I know you prefer a message where they'd just be like, let me tell you how awesome you are. You could find that, but not in the word. Instead, Jesus is going to do heart surgery and make us who he wants us to be, and I promise you it's better. So let's lean in, let's listen close to what Jesus tells us about accomplishing the mission. How are we going to do this? First, we've got to walk in humility. We've got to walk in humility. 
Verse 3, right after this command to go, Jesus reminds them they are going out as lambs among wolves. I'm not an expert, but I've seen enough National Geographic to know that does not go well, right? That it's not even really a battle, it's just over. Jesus said, I'm sending you out into the slaughter. Why would he say that? Again, sounds like the worst pep talk ever. You got this, guys, you're marching to your death. Why would he do this? Here's why. In God's economy, our weakness is an opportunity for his strength. Our weakness is an opportunity to see his strength. Jesus encourages them to go out as lambs among wolves because this is how God's kingdom works. He is glorified in our weakness. We're not called to go out into the world like wolves who are ready to devour and take on any challengers who step up and say, we're the wolves, we got this, let's go. No, we're to go as lambs who are aware of our weakness. This isn't to say that we go through life wilting and timid, but rather we are able to walk confidently, not in our own strength, but in the strength of the good shepherd. The sheep can sleep at night and chill even when the wolves are howling because the good shepherd is there and he is going to take care of them and they rest confidently in that. They walk confidently in that knowing that wolves are out there but that they know the good shepherd. When I was a little kid, I remember going to bed and never having a worry in the world. Why? Because my dad was there. My dad was there and I didn't have to worry about it because dad would take care of any problems. Then I grew up and became a dad. I remember one night I heard some noises, some rumblings, a disturbance. I rolled over and went, we got a situation in my head. And I was scared, y'all. I mean, it sounded like at least 20 or 30 people out there in the living room doing something. I thought, wow, they're here to ransack our home and kidnap my family. Like, this is it. This is what I've been preparing for. I get up. I didn't have anything to grab. Like, there's nothing I don't even have anything to protect myself with. Found a golf club. I was like, this will do. I confidently strutted out down the hallway. No. I'm like, walking. You know, back against the wall, like, like what? I remember reaching over into the living room and using the golf club to flip the light switch that was down the wall, turn it on. In the panic of that moment, my dog looked up at me like, what are you doing, you idiot? I'm just out here playing. You gonna feed me or what? Like, he's just ready, he's like, friends! And I'm like, no, 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 man, I'm going back to bed. And I remember when I went and laid down, the moment that I had in my head, I felt so helpless, you know, two minutes earlier. And I remember thinking, my dad probably felt like that sometimes, right? But, but here's the reality. We, we dads and moms are fallible, right? And, and there are a lot of moments where we're in over our head. But can I tell you that our Abba Father, the good father, the good shepherd, always has the situation under control. That you can rest knowing that the good shepherd ha- is undefeated against wolves, a wolf has never, ever taken someone who is under the care of the good shepherd. So we can go out into a world of wolves confidently, not in ourselves, not saying, I got this by my abilities. Look at these fangs. Look at these claws. No, we can walk as lambs toward the slaughter saying, the good shepherd is with me and he's got me. 
So when we walk in humility, we're actually walking in God's strength. Church, some of you in here today have been trying to hide your weakness. Some of you have been trying to cover it up. Some of you, that that manifests itself in many different ways. Some of you are maybe insecure. Maybe some of you are pretending to be arrogant. Maybe some of you are lashing out at different things. And all of that is trying to hide your weakness. Can I just tell you, friends, today you need to drop the weakness. You just let it go and you need to say, I can't do this. Because when we drop our weakness, we are at the point where we are ready to see God's strength. We have to own our weakness. We need to walk in humility. The second thing we see in this passage is a call to travel light. Travel light. In verse 4, Jesus said, carry no money bag, no knapsack, no sandals, no fanny packs, nothing. Don't take any of it. I added the last one, but do you get what I'm saying? This isn't intended to be taken literally. You could do that, and that would kind of get us in a weird place. But what this is asking us to do is to intentionally avoid things that bog us down from going where God wants us to go. Avoid the worldly entanglements that stop us from doing what it is the Lord wants us to do. For some of us, that's materialism. It's actual stuff that bogs us down. For some of you, it may be success or these ideals, the American dream, whatever that is, uh, trying to present yourself as awesome on social media. Whatever that is, all these different things that we can work real hard to do, Some of you, that's where you're at. What is the worldly entanglement that stops you from being able to go where God says go? I need the Holy Spirit's help today. I'll just tell you that because this is a pretty sensitive subject. This is going to hit some of you and some of you may even say, this guy's talking about me. I'm not talking about you. I'm talking about me and I'm talking about all of us because the world has such a strong grip on us today. And we're so bogged down by stuff, whether it be literal stuff or even this uh, ideals. And we're bogged down by all this and can't really do what God wants us to do because we're tied down by the world. Some of us are so tied to possessions that we're not ready to go in God's direction at a moment's notice. I think about my family. I've got three kiddos. And if you've ever traveled with kids, it is the worst I hear it gets better when they get older, but then they'll be talking more and complaining more. So I don't know. I just, it's just going to be rough. All right. But right now, every kid that we add, every, you know, arrow that goes into the quiver full, it makes a minivan more full, right? They're like, take this. We got to take this. We can't forget this. We got to. And by the time we're loaded down and ready to make a trip, we're like over it, right? Like, uh, Hey, have we ever just thought about maybe just staying home? It's a great idea. You know, last year, Reed was born on November 30th. That is, the date's correct. Mallory confirmed the first service. And because of that, we, we didn't go to Southeast Texas to be with our families for any of the holidays. And, of course, we got family here, and you guys were so loving to us. We had a great time. But I remember people would be like, are you guys doing okay? You know, uh, you know we're so sorry y'all couldn't go be with your families for the holidays. And we're like, we're making it. It's actually pretty awesome. <laughs> all right? And I know y'all thought we were messed up. And yeah, we are a little bit messed up. All right. And hey, by the way, we're looking forward to, to seeing our families this holidays. If you're watching mom, I love you. All right. And if you're watching mother-in-law, you too. Most of the time. Uh, so she, she won't watch. Let's be honest. She's not going to watch. I'm just looking at the one person who knows her. You better not contact her, Pastor Brad. <laughs> Hey, you may want to check out Sunday's message. <laughs> Don't throw me under the bus like that, all right? 
But the reality is I think some of you today are like me. Spiritually, we have so much baggage that we can't go when God says go. At a certain point, we throw our hands up and say, I might as well not even try. It's too much of a beating to do it. And again, I'm not talking about being ready to, to drop everything and move to Africa. I'm not saying you need to live in a tent uh, so you can be ready to go wherever God calls you to go. That's not what I'm saying. But what I'm saying is I've seen it happen so often that we work so hard to accumulate bigger and better things materially and even career-wise that we build this up. And guess what? The more we build, the more we work, the more we have to build and work to keep that up. And it becomes this cycle. And I've seen it in so many families. And here's the really dumb thing about this. Most of the time, you're still not happy. Think about it. You got more. Some of you right now are like in the nicest home you've ever lived in. Your family's in the best situation you've ever been in. Everything is great. And you're still miserable. You know why? Because it's not about all of those things. And we get so tied down by the things of the world that we're not free to experience what Jesus wants us to do. Friends, can I just tell you, Jesus is better than all that. Jesus is better than your perfect career. Jesus is better than your perfect family that you present on social media. Jesus is better than money and stuff. Jesus is better than that nice neighborhood you want to live in. Jesus is better than all of those things. We need to understand that if we're not careful, we'll have so much stuff, whether it be literal stuff or again, these American ideals of success and raising the perfect family, all this stuff will bog us down to the point in our lives where we have no margin to follow God's call. I've seen this manifest itself. You talk about, I'm not talking about moving to Africa. I'm talking about being able to come to church and be in a life group. Some of you have so much stuff in your life that you can't even commit to do these basic commitments that will change your life for the glory of God. Because we have just so jam-packed with the entanglements of this world. Some of us need to drop off some bags today. Some of us need to, to leave some baggage so that we can free up opportunity to spend time with the Lord. And again, understand that, that I'm not trying to be the Holy Spirit, but can I just ask you as your friend and pastor, you need to give room for the Holy Spirit to work through this message today and this week. You need to take some time to say, Lord, what is it in my life that is entangling me and stopping me from being able to go where you want me to go. I have to do this with Mallory every now and then. She and I will just sit down and we'll just say, what is it that, that we have put in our life? What is it that we're doing that's stopping us from being able to go where Jesus wants us to go? Sometimes it's we're, we're blowing money on something that's really holding us back from being free to do what we feel like we need to do. Sometimes we're spending way too much time on something that we don't really feel like we need to do. Sometimes it's things we've letting our children get so involved in that we have to say, what are, what are we doing with this? You're doing yourself and the kingdom of God a disservice if you don't take time to let the Holy Spirit evaluate your life. What is it that's holding you down from doing what the Lord wants you to do? Again, I don't want to be the Holy Spirit, but I believe that the Holy Spirit wants to do work in you. Take time to, to let him do work. And, and again, let go of some bags. Lose the fanny pack. They're trying to bring them back. They should have stayed in the 90s, okay? So just leave them. Next, we need to focus on the mission. Look at verse 4. It says, greet no one on the road. That's the end of verse 4. Greet no one on the road. I don't know about you. That doesn't sound very Christ-like to me, though. 
Just keep walking. Don't stop. Why does Jesus say this? Of course, you need to understand that in a Jewish culture where hospitality was super important, it wasn't just like, hey, how you doing? Good, man. Yeah, great. Just keep walking. Any of you, you do that on your walk? That's, hey, how you, you good? All right. Just keep moving, right? No, at this day, that was probably going to be like, hey, come in. And in this time, it was like, I've got a goat we could slaughter and prepare for lunch. And it's like, wow, I'm here for a while, right? <laughs> That's literally, haven't you seen that in the Bible? They're like, hey, I got a goat. Let my servants prepare it. It's like, you're going to kill a goat, process it, and cook it while we're here? Come on, y'all. If you invite me over and you say we're about to slaughter an animal and eat it, like I'm, I'm from the country. It's not like I have a problem about that. It's just a time issue, all right? Take care of that before I get there. That's all I'm saying, okay? So when Jesus says greet no one, he is saying don't get deterred. As you are on your way to where God's called you to go, don't go to the right and don't go to the left. Don't go to the right or to the left. Keep focused on the mission. It is as hard as it's ever been in our world to stay focused, isn't it? I think there are a lot of reasons for that. One of those reasons is all the smart devices that are in our lives. You've seen me on Sunday mornings. I have an iPad that has some notes on it. On occasion, somebody will send me a text message, and I'll forget to have it on airplane mode, and I'm reading a text message right in the middle of my sermon. Like, and the Lord says, yes, I would love to eat tacos for lunch. I mean, you know, like, it happens. If you want to text me and invite me for tacos, I'm down. All right. Back, where were we? Focus? That's what we're talking about, focus. Okay. Did you know that the average person, this is average, the pers- a person checks on average 80 times a day, checks their f- smartphone. And that's average. So you know that means a lot of you are way above that to make that average be that high. It's incredible to think about. And, and science is really showing that our smart devices are actually making us dumb. We can't focus. We can't give attention. I hate to tell you this. Some of you are not going to like this. This isn't just uh, Pastor Rusty talking. This is science. Articles will bear this truth out. Some of you are like, I'm just really good at multitasking. No, you're not. You're not. The truth is you're just doing two tasks poorly. That got real. <laughs> some of you, are you okay? Like, I'm a, like, if you disagree with that, you can take me and we'll eat tacos and talk about it, all right? It's okay. But, but here's what I'm saying. What did Jesus say? You can't serve two masters. When we don't have focus on the mission, we're focusing on everything else in this world. Can I just say that we are a distracted culture, and when it comes to being distracted from the mission of God, these same worldly entanglements that we're talking about having to let go of, they're constantly vying for our attention and focus. And pretty soon, my whole life becomes consumed with work. My whole life becomes consumed with money. My whole life becomes consumed with health. I know it doesn't look like that one happens very often, but just go with it. My life's consumed by all these other things, even some good things. In fact, didn't I mention some good things in that list? What about your kids? As a parent, we dedicated children today, and I dedicated one of my children in the first service as well. And and let me just tell you that, yes and amen, I need to dedicate time to pour into my children and love them well. I need to focus on my children. But some of you are focusing on your children so much that you can't focus on your spouse, and it's hurting your marriage. Some of you are focusing so much on your children that you can't focus on the kingdom of God, and it's hurting your life and your impact for the gospel. Where's your focus today? Even good things can be a distraction when they're not in their right place. We need to ask the Lord to help us focus on the mission. How do we do that? One just real quick thing I want to just encourage you to pray. 
We're going to have this series on prayer in a couple weeks. I want you to come and be a part of that. But prayer helps realign and refocus our hearts on the mission of God. We've got to focus on his mission. One last thing today. This is tough for us, but we need to understand that it's up to God to make the results happen. We've got to leave the results to God. At the end of this passage, it almost gets weird, doesn't it? It's like, go out and do this mission. And then basically he says, if they receive you, that's awesome. If they don't, shake the dust off your sandals and keep going. We didn't read, but you go into the next section and Jesus basically calls out several communities that rejected him. The harsh reality of the Bible and even today in our culture is this, not everyone will accept the good news of Jesus Christ. There are many who do and who will reject the gospel there are many who will reject Jesus Christ. You've seen this happen in your life, and I'm concerned because here's what happens. Because that's true, and because we as human beings are pretty scared of rejection, this stops us from going forward with the mission of God. We're so scared that we're going to get rejected that we won't proclaim the mission. But listen, here's what we got to do. We've got to walk in humility. We've got to know that it's not about us and that if they reject us, they're not actually rejecting us. They're rejecting Christ. So we ought to be willing to proclaim him and put it on the line because we love them enough to tell them the truth. And in doing that, if they reject us, we need to understand that they're not rejecting us, but they're rejecting Christ. And guess what? If they reject Christ, you know what that does? Some of you are like, yeah, I'm shaking the dust off. Well, yeah, there, Jesus says that, but you know what it means to do that? He is saying that we move forward. It doesn't mean we give up on having a heart for him, right? Some of you deal with this, and I wrote this on the study guide. I'm hoping some of our life groups will look at that together because I know that some of you have shared Jesus with people in your family. I know that some of you have been praying that Jesus would capture the heart of a friend that you know is lost, And you say, so I'm just supposed to shake the dust off and leave them? No, I I want you to keep praying for that friend. I want you to keep loving them and keep, when God gives you opportunities to just spread that seed, but ultimately, you remember the parable of the good sower, this same point came to bear. Your, Your job is not to save anybody. Only Jesus can bring the harvest. Some of us today, I think, need to be challenged by this message. Some of you maybe have not really been concerned about the lost. You've not been concerned about the need around you. So you've never even been praying or you haven't even thought about praying and you certainly haven't thought about going and working your life for this mission. Some of you perhaps have seen the need and again in the American church this is popular. There's pep rallies all over Wichita today saying you got this, get out there. But the message of the gospel is this. Jesus has saved you and he can save others so Little lambs, walk out into the midst of the wolves. Oh, you don't need any extra bags. You don't even need any extra clothes. Don't worry about all that stuff. Oh, don't greet anybody as you're walking by. Stay focused. Keep going. Yeah, some are going to reject you, but just keep going. Can I tell you, that's a pretty weird description, isn't it? I imagine when the 72 showed up into the towns they were walking into that people were like, what is up with those guys and girls? What is up with those people? What's happening? Yet they were walking in the way that God called them to walk, and it changed lives. Can I tell you that when you look around this room, it's a pretty random group of people. Hey, I love you. I love you. I'm part of this family. I'm part of the randomness. But this is a random group of people. 
where else is this group of people going to hang out today? But we're here. Why? Because God has called us together for one Savior, and he has called us to one mission together. And if we as the people of God would say, I see the need I'm going to pray and ask the Lord to bring more people into this family so that we can go together for the sake of the gospel. But we're not going to go confident in ourselves. We're going to walk humbly together. We're going to let go of the worldly entanglements. We're going to create margin in our lives so that financially, with our time, with everything we are, we can support the work that God is doing. We're going to create that margin. We're going to travel light. We're going to be a people who stay focused on his mission in a world of distractions, in a world of all kinds of things being thrown at us, we are going to focus on his mission. And at the end of the day, we're going to celebrate when God brings people into this family. And we're going to continue to lovingly pray when those reject the gospel because we know that the results are up to him. But the beautiful thing is that he's called us to go. Crossroad Church, here, here's my question today. Why not us? Why not us? You look at the Bible and the story of the Gospels. Jesus was bloodied, beaten, and killed and hung on a cross. And he rose three days later. Forty days later, he ascended to the right hand of the Father in heaven. And this epic movement that really wasn't quite that epic of a movement at the time, was it? There were about 200 people that we think claim to be followers of Christ. Why? Because their leader got brutally murdered. Has a way of killing movements, right? You find out who the real followers are when that happens. So a couple hundred people are praying, hiding up in a closet basically big enough to hold them. And that bunch of lambs, God poured out his mercy and grace upon them and a movement happened that 2,000 years later we're still a part of. Maybe 150 people in here. Maybe we're that many in the first service. Here's my question. Why not us? Why not us? I want to remind you of one verse of scripture then we're going to pray and, and worship together and respond to the gospel Galatians 6, 9 says, do not grow weary in doing good for in due time you will have a harvest if you don't give up. Church family, some days it's hard. Some days it seems like we're losing. Some days you look around and say, we're never gonna be able to do it. But can I tell you something? Don't give up. Trust the Lord, he's got this. Lord, thank you for the word. Thank you for the call that you've given us today. Jesus, it's so easy to get so distracted by so many things, but I pray that you would help us to be a people who live and wrap our entire lives around your mission. God, I ask that you would help us today, those in here who might need to respond to the gospel, perhaps for the first time as we Sing this song of response. I pray that you would give them the courage to come talk to one of us and just say that they're ready to follow you. Lord, I pray for my friends here that know you already, but if they're honest today, they haven't really been following you. They haven't been living for the mission. 
God, I, I pray that people wouldn't feel guilt and shame today, but instead this would just be an opportunity that you were given, giving us to completely reorient our lives for the sake of your gospel. Help us see the need and help us to pray and go and help us to do and fulfill this mission in the ways in which you've outlined for us to do it. Jesus, thank you for what you're gonna do.